Hello and welcome to The Dirt, in association with Harrod Horticultural. We're the podcast that thinks all gardens are radishing in their own way. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Laura's co-host Blake. We'll be catching up on the latest gardening news with our colleague George later in the show. But first, we're joined by not one, but two lovely allotment holders from Norfolk. Welcome to the dirt, Aga and Kay. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Lovely weather. Oh, yes, it's so nice to see some sunshine, isn't it? It makes a real difference. Especially when you have to go to the allotments, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So would you be able to tell us a little bit about your allotment before we we dive into the the questions yeah of course um so we are based in Snettersham we both live here and I own a restaurant in Snettersham called uh, the old bank and Kay works with us um we we're basically two-thirds of our front of house team in in the restaurant um and uh in 2019 we decided that we're going to take on half an allotment here in the village um and just see what we can grow for the restaurant and for ourselves as well. Um, and yeah, it, it's kind of progressed from there. Um, we, um, we've had a half allotment in 2019 and then last year we took on another half. So we now have a full allotment where we grow lots and lots of different bits and bobs for our restaurant. And Kay's also vegan, so uh, she grows a ton of stuff mm. for herself, basically her full full diet on, at yeah. the allotment. And um, that must be amazing growing um growing for the restaurant do you find that if there's anything that you want to experiment with you'll sort of give that a try on the allotment has it given you a bit more of a free reign over what you can prepare there really we would never be able to be self-sufficient with the restaurant and what we can grow we just couldn't grow enough of the basics really the potatoes the you know the cheap stuff so what we try and concentrate on is I mean we're growing a lot of edible flowers um, Mm. because Mm -hmm. they're so so expensive to buy for the restaurant for garnishes and things but they're really cheap and simple to grow so things like nasturtiums and marigolds and even dahlia petals we've Mm -hmm. uh, discovered are edible too so we try and do that and a lot of uh, microgreens again the expensive stuff to buy the little leaves Um, and the other thing we do is we'll grow carrots for the restaurant but we'll pick them when they're really tiny so the, the, the flavour is incredible. That's actually one of my fails when we first started Agro and I went seed buying and I asked at the garden centre for some baby carrot seeds. Um, <laughs> not quite realising they're just carrot seeds. Just, <laughs> you just pick them when they're babies. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's been a, a big learning curve. To <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I think it's. I think it makes us uh, makes us a bit of a different allotment because obviously we're surrounded by people who are trying to grow the biggest carrot and mm. yeah. the biggest beetroot and you know the biggest head of cabbage. <laughs> Whereas what we grow is um, we 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 are no dig as well and mm. we we follow Charles Dowding's sort of multi sowing methods, which works really well for baby vegetables especially. So we'll try and grow the tastiest beetroot and mm. the tastiest carrot because mm-hmm. um, in the restaurant, you know we have access to inexpensive, um, you know, very well-grown and well-cared-for well produce. However, um, the baby vegetables especially, they're very, very difficult to come by. So I think that's kind of what we focus on. So it's a slightly different take on what most people would sort of expect from an allotment. I bet the local people of Snettersham really love 
the fact that you grow all this stuff so locally as well, don't they? Um, yeah, sort of gives you a, a USP. There was yeah. one particular day, I think on the menu was something like it was beetroot and goat's cheese starter. And Aga literally went and picked the beetroot. And within two hours, yeah, two hours it was picked. It Amazing. was cleaned. It was yeah. whatever he, magic he does in the kitchen was done to it. And then it was allotment beetroot on the menu. It was, wow. Because, yeah. because yeah. We, we only had 20 cover restaurants. So we were very, we were very small um, and we are fine dining. So, it is important that every ingredient on the plate really shines. So um, it really does. And when we do make a point on our menus to emphasize the fact that our vegetables and flowers are grown at the allotment and people do ask a lot of questions about it. And we've ha- had some lovely friendships out of it as well, mm-hmm. because people spot the fact that we are, have an allotment mm-hmm. and then, you know, share their knowledge and produce. And it's been really, really great. Yeah, I think the social side of that and the information sharing and the tips and advice, that's such a valuable part of having an allotment plot that I think people might not necessarily think about before they take one on. Oh, it's hugely important. When Kay and I took the allotment, we were, we, we've always had sort of grown things, mainly flowers really, yeah. and, and plants for our gardens. Um, uh, but uh, sort of small edibles, you know, things like radishes and lettuces and herbs we've grown for ourselves in our gardens. But um, there's been so much input from people that we meet at the allotment and so many, and obviously like your magazine, for example, um, we both read it and we, um, we also refer back to YouTube quite a lot for videos from, you know, mm-hmm. various uh, YouTubers. We we partake in discussions on f- Facebook forums, um, which are also about allotments. It's just you'll find that so many people are in the same situation that you are and are asking the same questions the same time of year. Mm-hmm. And it really is brilliant to be able to have that way of, you know, finding out. Um, so diving straight in with the first of our kind of standard questions, have you had any real successes that you want to shout about and tell our listeners about? Uh, I, I suppose the main, well, the first time one of our pro, uh, bits of produce appeared on the menu, we were just almost in tears. Yeah. <laughs> oh. it, was, it was rhubarb. It wasn't really difficult <laughs> to grow, <laughs> but it, allotment rhubarb chutney um, went with our our cheeses and I think we both just wanted to cry and customers were saying oh you actually managed to grow something yes of course we did um I think that was probably it and the other thing was in our first year people kept saying you were not that's beautiful you're going to win the prize and like, what there's a prize there's a prize <laughs> because we're a bit you know we grow stuff but we're also we we paint ladders and have things climbing up we have hanging baskets with flowers we have an oh, wow. archway over our entrance with sweet pea and clematis and we look pretty as well and we won this best half allotment award in our first year in our first year and there was wow. a trophy and everything we couldn't go to the award ceremony because we were, we were working boring. but we've got this little cup that stands stands behind the bar in the restaurant and we just beamed oh, with pride and yeah so that, that was a huge success that we didn't even know we were you know going for but to win that but <laughs> most of the other allotments in fairness are functional they're mm. they're not the the, yeah. the flowers and the but yeah so that was a huge success that was a huge success <laughs> I think, anyway I think it's it's a big success that we managed to turn something that is practical for the restaurant practical practical for us but also it's an escape for for us mm. we we uh, it's so good for our mental health and mm-hmm. just being able to go there we have three dogs between us and well now I'm actually four yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a new arrival so um we have four dogs between us and we um 
we take them there and they just sunbathe and and wander around and and we you know we do a little bit of potting we have a lovely lunch there and mm. it's just a wonderful place to be and i think a lot of people especially these days i think allotments have been just such a wonderful place to be mm-hmm. um even when the restaurant was closed and we couldn't use the produce at the restaurant um i mean it's still closed but we're starting to use it slowly um we yeah we we would loved being there it's it's a wonderful place to be a happy place yeah never a chore and i think that's another um that's another element to the making the allotment beautiful as well that it's a lovely picturesque place to spend an Mm. afternoon even if there's nothing that really needs doing there you can always Mm. just sort of take a flask of tea and just enjoy being among the plants kind oh of. absolutely yes. that, that's a huge part of it i mean snedisham is a gorgeous village and where we located is between a really picturesque church on a hill and a really lovely farm and it's quiet and and it is a, it's you know exceptional it really is mm. and we do sometimes just go up there and look and yeah i think it was hugh that said once yes just, just hugh don't said. think you've got to do stuff just mm-hmm. just wander yeah. around looking and really looking at everything and mm. We do a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think do that. <laughs> that's so valuable, though, isn't it? Because I think you can really mm. easily get into the mindset of when I'm in the garden, I have to be mm. weeding or mm. watering. Or mm. so to be able to actually just have this lovely place to think, right? You know what? I don't actually need to do anything here today. I'm just mm. going to yeah. take it all in. And I think also mm. appreciating the effort that you've put into it and looking at it and thinking, yeah, we made this. Like this is. Mm. And yeah. I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. But if you, if 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 we were to talk about any sort of specific thing that was a success growing, I think last year our strawberries were mm. a huge success. Amazing. Yeah. We um mm. we've put a lot of time into making sure that they were well fed, and we cut them down, we strawed them, netted them, uh-huh. and then we picked them, and we made just the most incredible the boys. Why well, we? I mean the royal <laughs> we, and um, the boys in the kitchen made the most incredible sorbet. Mm. Uh, it literally tasted like an essence of strawberry. So um, that is probably our. Our biggest mm. growing success to date. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if it repeats this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Every year you sort of think, I don't know what the what the thing that's going to work well and the thing that isn't no. going to work well is going to be, but it's always a pleasant surprise, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what what turns out the best? Absolutely. Um, but bringing you on to the other side of the coin, <laughs> would you be able to tell us about any of your failures in the garden or funny? funny things that have happened or haven't gone quite as yeah, well there's one or two one or two <laughs> bearing in mind we took these this allotment on and really it was a bit you know just see what happens um <laughs> I, I just had this lovely vision of going up Christmas Eve and emptying these buckets that I'd planted potatoes in and having having them for Christmas day lunch and I, I knew that grass clippings were quite a good feed so I saved grass clippings and uh, mixed it with the soil. But I put a layer of grass clippings at the bottom of the buckets. And the buckets obviously had drainage in. So we planted these potatoes and I kept watering them and nothing sprung up. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Not one bit of greenery. So we gave up and obviously bought potatoes. And when we emptied the buckets, this carpet of grass at the bottom had formed like this woven mat and obviously <laughs> just blocked all the drainage holes. And it's it seems so simple now to, to 
what a stupid thing to do, but it seemed quite sensible at the time. So yes, don't don't block your drainage holes up with a layer of um, oh, no. lawn clippings. Basically, that's that's. that's it sounded like a I, really good idea. It did seem like a good idea, and I thought it would just feed them, and we wouldn't have to do too much apart from earth them up. Well, there never ever was anything to earth. Nothing appeared. Nothing appeared. I think I just drowned yeah. drowned yeah, the potatoes. That was that was a disappointment. And that was a big disappointment. We are currently using the soil from those potatoes. Yes. For our current potatoes, so yes. it's not we too bad. <laughs> We've actually mixed it with wood chip, haven't we? The yes. compost with lots of wood chip. So hopefully this time drainage yeah. won't be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always one of the things, isn't it? You sort of learn the lessons as you go along, but it's um disappointing at the time. But then we think we'll never make the same mistakes again. No, exactly. it's just you, you don't get another go of of um, Christmas potatoes for another year. Yeah, <laughs> which I was is that, yeah. <laughs> So unfortunately, there's that. But um, I think maybe the other failure that we are working on, it's still work in progress. We um, we decided to invest in a hot bin mm. and mm. Uh, do some hot com- composting. And we were just so excited every time we came to the allotment and the temperature was just really, really high and everything was going so well. But we cannot get the mixture right. And unfortunately, we just keep ending up with a, basically a compost soup. Um, <laughs> and it's... <laughs> this liquid uses that at the bottom. <laughs> unfortunately, it's um, it's not a very glamorous uh, result. And this year is the year of hot composting for us, I think. We'll get the recipe right. We will year. get it right yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah, the magic ratio. Oh, it's just... Yes. Yeah. So have you managed to use any of the compost tea that's coming off of it on your on your plants have you noticed that that's helping them at all definitely we uh we have uh, a variety of different (laughs) infusions at the allotment we uh we don't use any chemicals um because we we are well basically if we wanted to do that we might as well just buy cheap vegetables from a cheap supplier um therefore we we make sure that our 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 vegetables are completely chemical free so um yes the runoffs from the compost bin were fantastic especially for our tomatoes we Mm. use them for those um but apart from that we also have um a variety of other things like we've got a nettle tea we've got uh, comfrey feeds and we also use some deterrents like um and onion water to spray mm. things um so uh, yeah we save um onion skins and we soak them in water and spray our brassicas mm. and kaya actually did a, a trial last year she sprayed all of our kales but one with that um uh, concoction and we ended up with uh, one completely bare root of kale <laughs> and the yeah, eight stunning stunning heads of kale so mm. it definitely works <laughs> what does that do for anybody that's listening that so we doesn't... just save our onion peelings and garlic peelings and what we then do we learned that because <laughs> we just put them in a bucket and we're putting the uh, can in the bucket uh, mm-hmm. to get water out but then it gets blocked and then so what we do now we'll but we'll use old pairs of tights and we'll st- <laughs> stuff the legs <laughs> with these concoctions of either onion peelings or or whatever and then we don't <laughs> you should see us it <laughs> things that you thought you'd never ever do because it obviously filters that you dangle the the tight legs in into your buckets so it infuses and then you just take them you just take them out and move on to another bucket and you you then just pour it over these uh these kale and you just watch the caterpillars and things they just drop off because they mm. hate it and i don't think it harms them either i'm not really sure what happens to them then it smells a bit um like a burger van because obviously <laughs> but i decided to, to leave one kale and it was it was just this stalk completely 
picked clean this stalk and all the others were really healthy so i'd say save your onions save yeah. your right. onion pillings definitely yeah definitely it works <laughs> yeah why is it that anything that you are uh, any kind of concoction that you want to put on your plants to boost their uh growing mm. always smell <gasps> terrible it does. it doesn't <laughs> matter what you're <laughs> nettle, nettle. comfrey oh, or... gosh, yeah um, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm the dedicated <laughs> yeah. nettle waterer. Kay can't okay. handle the smell. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have uh, we've had many an accident, so uh, <laughs> we uh, we have a, we have a dedicated jobs. Uh, mm. Luckily, we've discovered that banana water works fantastically on on um, our tomatoes. Oh, uh, right. So we save banana skins, mm. and and actually that one doesn't smell too bad. No, it, it's it's better than nettle. And you can save them better. all year. We freeze them. We yes. save banana skins all year and we just freeze them and uh what we've tried to do this time is uh yeah just make sure that we have plenty for our for our tomatoes for this is that to help ripen them up yeah i think it's the potassium in bananas it's Mm. a lot of it is in the skin um and what we've done actually is we build these little collars for all of our tomato outdoor tomato plants and what we do and uh, that might come under the 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 tips and hacks category Mm. i guess um, what we do is we um, we put some lovely compost in there, as well as um, some dried nettles that we pick earlier in the year, mm. um, a few banana skins. And throughout the year, we've been adding the banana skins into the collars. So they just slowly decompose, uh, compost down in there, um, except our dogs also pick them out <laughs> and eat them. Um, but, um, but they just, you know, create like a lovely compost in there for them. And one other thing that we've tried, and that was, and I'm not sure if it, if it did the trick or not, but we, we used indigestion tablets at the bottom mm. of our tomato collars. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. Um, it's to do with blossom, blossom end rot. Oh, um, right, yeah. Because apparently that is a lack of magnesium. So that's what the indigestion tablets are. Um, mm. And mm. we suffered terribly the year before last with um, blossom end rot. So we decided mm. we're going to give it a bash and we crumbled up some tablets at the bottom of those collars and together with the nettles and the bananas we had a fantastic crop of tomatoes and mm. um, whether that's because of the indigestion <laughs> tablets <laughs> we've got to do i've never heard of that <laughs> no yeah. no i've I, we, I think you may have seen it on youtube or somewhere like that and yeah. you know that's all they are so it's they're not going to harm the plants in any way and they're very very inexpensive so yeah we're we're mm. saving them again this year. Yeah. Oh, I feel like we've already had a couple of hats yeah. already. So. I know. <laughs> I, I have to say, though, I love how not only are you feeding the community with your restaurant, but it sounds like <laughs> you've also got a fine dining set up for all your plants that you're a lot They are very well fed. Absolutely. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, no, it's... Um, you should see all all the um, old boys that surround our allotments trying to give us these uh, five-litre buckets of yeah, fertiliser and spray. And we're like, no, it's fine. We've got these tides full of banana skins. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they must think we're absolutely mad. But <laughs> hey-ho. <laughs> Um, well, I don't know if you had any more um, funny stories or fails for us, but if not, I know we've already stolen a couple of tips from your tips section, but um, <laughs> we're going to then move on to tips and tricks. So um, do you have any other any other cheeky little hacks or anything that you, that you do that you'd like to recommend to the listeners? I think, apart from what we said already, just uh, try and get in touch with people mm. around you because you'll be surprised how much they can help you. Um, we, mm-hmm. every time we need something, we'll reach out on our local Facebook 
group for our village. We'll reach out on free cycle. Um, And we'll just say we're looking for some manure or, you know, a horse manure or uh, has anyone got any pallets or pallet collars or could we borrow a post rammer from somebody? Mm. And not once have we been in a position when we didn't get something out of that question. We always find a way. I mean, Kay acquired a beautiful set of, um, uh, what are they called? Um, for the for growing peas, the... Um, oh, the lettuce? Uh, yeah. No, no, the... Um, drain pipes? No. What oh, are the guttering. Guttering, sorry. Oh, we had, I had Sarah Raven, I think it was on The Dirt not long ago, saying she always, always grows her peas yeah, in guttering. Yeah, she did say that, didn't yeah. Um, yeah. I thought, oh, that's a good idea. So... A few days later on free cycle, there's some lengths of guttering, so I secure it and I go along with my little Fiat 500 to get it. It's like, 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 like 10 feet long, these, uh, these sorts of so, but bless the, the, the chap that was giving it away, cut them up for me. And yeah, so oh. we've now got loads of guttering. Which yeah. Will, yeah. Oh, brilliant. And yeah, we'll beg, we'll borrow, we'll... Yeah, we'll, we'll steal. But we, we haven't stolen yet, but <laughs> we might do. <laughs> so I think I think it's that is uh, something that we've learned. Yeah, we use it. we we try not to yeah. buy as much as possible. We we try to find things that other yeah. people might think mm. is rubbish. Yeah, yeah. I th- this is something that um, I think comes up quite a lot in discussions with gardeners. That gardeners are amazing at repurposing, reusing, mm. Mm. finding a new use for something old that you know somebody might be giving away that they don't love anymore and I think it's actually amazing what that you Mm. can see what people can do with their plots with a little bit of imagination with these things Mm -hmm. oh absolutely absolutely um yeah so before we let you go and get back to your plot um we were just wondering if there's anything um maybe from both of you if there's something that you would say you've learned since you've been growing your own produce that is a thing that really stands out to you um broad beans don't need uh, a trellis to climb up we learned <laughs> the first um the first plant when we got the allotment uh, in the january we spent a month clearing it because it was a bit of a mess and the um another allotment here gave us some broad bean plants that he had too many of in the february so we obviously they were our first plants so we spent days building this amazing beautiful meticulous trellis for them to climb up and obviously planted them and the guy that had given them came along and <laughs> informed us that they didn't need a trellis to climb up broad beans so um yeah we we learned that we definitely learned that but I think we learned that I think overall since we took on the allotment in in 2019 we we learned that you don't have to follow every instruction on a packet of seeds Mm -hmm. there isn't one way of doing things Mm -hmm. um that you know you you can you can get the timing a little bit wrong it's not the the end of the world Uh, we often see people you know being quite um critical about the fact that somebody planted their i don't know runner beans in march or Mm -hmm. you know that it's too early but Mm -hmm. ultimately if it gives you joy just go ahead and do it Mm -hmm. and see what happens and you know of course that you get better results uh, if you do it a certain way but mm. I think we just we've become a, a quite a lot more relaxed about our growing and we just try to enjoy it and and you know and see what happens like Kate said earlier mm. rather than just strictly follow the rules and and read books and we just we take advice from different places and we apply it and if it works for us it works for us if not then we'll adjust next year it's not yeah. 
you know, the end of the world. So it's a happy place. It's a we happy place. We don't want to be stressed by it. Do no, we? it's it's meant to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really great advice because I think that's the thing that you can sometimes get really caught up in what you're supposed mm. to do. But then all gardeners have different conditions, different yeah. amounts of time they can spend mm. on their plot, all different things. So I think that's really great that sort of do things your way and see what happens. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, And if anybody listening is heading to the North Norfolk coast for a staycation <laughs> this summer, you're presumably reopening or hoping to reopen yes. um, soon? We're reopening on the 19th of May. Um, and yes, if you're ever around, then please pop in and say hello. Get some seasonal food. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> um, and what's the, what's the website for anybody who might want to look you up? It's the oldbankbistro.co.uk. Lovely. Well, Thank you very much for joining us. And Blake, let's go and talk about the Harrod Slot and Lock Stormproof Walk-In Vegetable Cage. Okay, Laura, you've been swatting up. You've been researching in preparation for some of these frequently asked questions about the cage from Harrod. Are you ready? (gasps) Yes, I'm so ready. Fire away. Question number one. <laughs> How is it stormproof? Well, this cage actually has a really clever design for standing up to any sort of harsh weather conditions. The frame includes braces for rigidity, as well as um, Harrod's award winning stormproof clips. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you what those do. Um, they ensure that high winds, or say, for example, if it snows and then there's the weight of the snow on top of the cage. The clips actually detach from the frame rather than risking the whole frame bending under the strain. So that's really clever design. Cool. And in terms of fruit and veg that should be grown in it, what Mm. would you recommend? What can be grown in there? Um, Well, I think you could grow whatever you want in there, really. Brassicas are the perfect option because the netting will keep them safe from cabbage white butterflies. Uh But the one thing to keep in mind is as well as pests being kept out, pollinators will also be kept out. Mm. Um, So keep your soft paintbrush to hand for any hand pollinating of crops under there that might need it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just something, something that you might want to consider. But in general stick whatever you want in there and so will it also stop birds from getting in and eating whatever is being grown yes it will um as long as you keep the net closed (laughs) obviously if if you don't keep the net closed the birds can get in um but yeah it will keep it'll keep them safe from being eaten by anybody you don't want them to and then maybe this is a bit of a stupid question but how would you get into the cage yourself no that's actually a really good not keeping question. you out <laughs> <laughs> well um no it's um, like actually... take the whole thing off every time or something <laughs> no i mean it's nice and sturdy but not that sturdy i mean you can get in yourself um basically um it's actually a really good question because it's a really um a really cool little system there's a zip net access but it's really quick and easy like you as a human can basically just push through it but then it seals back together again to keep the pests out and finally can it be used in any garden or do you have to have a certain amount of space yeah um no it's it's great for any space um obviously you've got the sizings and stuff on there but even if you've got really tough ground to work on you can also purchase Mm -hmm. a hole former to help the installation go smoothly so yeah Give it, give it a try. It's well worth it. And 
you can find out more about this cage and the rest of the um, products that we've discussed in the last couple of episodes at harrodhorticultural.com. Um, so Blake, shall we go and pour a cup of tea, get George and have a team chat? So on last week's episode, I was talking about how much I love strawberries. Yes. Who doesn't? Um, and that I got some plants from the garden centre. Uh, I've now planted them out into my troughs and planters and hanging baskets. Amazing. So that's good. That's another job ticked off the list. I'm <laughs> glad I got that done. But I also saw something on Instagram this week that I thought was quite interesting that I had never thought about. And I thought maybe other people might like this as an idea as well. It's mm-hmm. kind of a bit of a hack. And it comes from one of our faves, Rob Smith, right. um, who always has loads and loads of handy shortcuts and good ideas and things that you're like, oh, I'd never thought about doing this, but I bet that works. Um, and this is another. So if you grow strawberries and you've had problems in the past with birds coming and pecking at them and you know nabbing some of your crop yes Um, which is always very disappointing yeah you might put nets over them um which sometimes can be a bit controversial because you know you're like do you want to put nets over them and they might trap the birds or something Mm. if you haven't pulled them taut Mm. uh so if you're looking for a new uh way to keep the birds away rob smith says you can paint a pebble or two or three or four red place them around your strawberry plants right and because they're red pebbles and they look a bit like a strawberry the birds come down they're like oh this looks tasty they go to peck them they realize that they're actually stones (laughs) they don't want them they fly off and then when your strawberries come on later in the season they associate those red Ah. fruits as being the thing that they didn't want earlier in the season and they won't come near them not sure whether this works I think he's just giving it a go because somebody told him about it I mean it sounds logical I kind of it sounds Sounds logical doesn't it so I'm like maybe this will work so I if anybody else is listening and they're like I've been doing this for years um let us know get in touch Um, and if it works for you that would be really Mm. useful to know but yeah you know when you're like this is such a genius and simple thing. Like how long is it going to take to paint some pebbles red? Not that long. Yeah. Um, and if you're growing a lot of strawberries and you want to keep the birds away. And does it then work with other kinds of fruits as well? I mean, I know you'd have to work out how to like suspend a pebble on a bush, but could it work with other kinds of fruits? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess if it works with this, why wouldn't it? Yeah. So you might. <laughs> oh, I'll be so interested to hear. Let's get crafty. Yeah. A lot of, lot of painted pebbles coming up. Right. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> my my uh, story I, I wanted to talk about was um, a, a project going on in London called Energy Garden. So it's near um, Bronsbury Park Overground Station. That's in North West London. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, so, you know, wherever there's railway tracks kind of of any kind, you end up with a bit of sort of waste ground around it, don't you, when mm. they're cleared yeah. and laid. And um, basically, this project, Energy Garden, is all about reintroducing some biodiversity into those areas that would just be waste ground around railway oh, tracks. That's a good idea. That's such so a good idea. So it encourages uh, encourages wildlife, encourages pollinators. Um, the project 
has also been really valuable for it's all sort of volunteer staffed um and a lot of people volunteered and said that really it helped them get through lockdown mm. um in a lot of ways and you know help their mental health all that kind of thing um on top of that uh, it also makes use of solar power and they they grow hops and make their own beer oh wow so, yeah, I just thought it was it was a really nice sort of wholesome project. And they're growing veg though as well. It's um, not... Yeah, I think there's there's veg as well. There's all sorts. Wow! Yeah. So it's a really productive space that would have previously been essentially wasted ground. That's a mm. really really amazing idea, and as you say, probably so beneficial to the community as well. Definitely, I just think the, the amount of times that you know that you've sat on a train and you go past. You know, even if you're going through beautiful areas, there will be areas around tracks that are sort mm. of, yeah, like just mm. waste ground, aren't they? You know, that have to have been cleared and never sort of restored in any way. Yeah, good find. Um, well, linking in actually to the well-being element of what you were just talking about, George. Um, I have a story from the RHS. There's been a new groundbreaking study done which has revealed that gardening is as good for mental health and well-being as regular vigorous exercise Mm. Um, and it's revealed the more doses of gardening you get the better your well-being is Um, it has the same impact on well-being as exercise such as cycling or running and it also um, links to lower stress levels as well Um, Mm. It's shown that respondents who garden two to three times a week had a 4.1% higher well-being score and a 2.4% lower stress level score compared to people who don't garden at all. Mm. However, gardening fewer than three times a month has less of a positive impact. So the message is get out into the garden a couple of times a week and it will benefit you. Mm. I'm sure we all feel that in in some way or another i mean mm. perhaps not when everything's being eaten by slugs and <laughs> it's snowed but, <laughs> but i mean i think we can probably all really relate to that mm, definitely nice coming through with the stats this week laura love i it. know love a good stat i feel like like you're kind of um preaching to the converted with everybody listening right now they're Very like much. we don't need any more excuse <laughs> to get outside but okay we'll do it yeah no, but i feel like you know if you ever think oh no should I be going out for a run? Should I be <laughs> yeah. going to the gym instead of spending all my time on the allotment? The answer is, you're absolutely fine to spend time on your allotment because it is doing yeah. you good. Permission granted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyway, Blake, I suppose we had better get back to the magazine. Sure. And George, I think you've got some jobs on the plot for us. Yes, indeed. May is a crucial time for any pot-grown fruit you may have. If the plants are setting fruit or flowering, it's really important to make sure that they have enough moisture. So keep on top of your watering and be sure to make more regular checks when the weather is warm. Those of you who are planful enough to get first early potatoes planted in containers under cover may now be able to reap the rewards. It's time to make some first harvests, but have a feel around first and check the tubers have developed properly. Remember to regularly side shoot your cordon tomatoes. This helps to focus the plant's energies on producing trusses and fruit. It's also a good idea to trim off some of the lower leaves as the plants develop. This allows air to circulate and helps keep your tomatoes healthy. 
May is the perfect time to sow runner beans, but if you want to sow directly outdoors, wait until the end of the month. Indoor sowings can be made earlier. Finally, courgettes, marrows, sweet corn and pumpkins can all be sown in containers undercover now. Good luck with your jobs on the plot and happy growing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dirt in partnership with Harrod Horticultural. Harrod Horticultural is the go-to choice for UK-made superior quality gardening products, including grow-your-own solutions that will last the test of time, from raised beds and planters to bean frames and fruit cages. Discover the many growing advantages of using raised beds, tables or manger planters, all made even easier with sizes to suit all gardens. Giving the plants the right support with frames is key, as is protecting them to achieve ultimate growing success. Harrod Horticultural has got you covered. Harrod has all you need with the widest choice of crop cages, hoops, netting, cloches and other clever ideas that promise to take your growing to the next level. So to find out more, visit harrodhorticultural.com. And don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode of The Dirt. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all your lovely garden and allotment neighbours where to find us. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for The Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, we're on the hunt for podcast guests and the next one could be you or someone you know. If you, a friend or a family member, has some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters they'd like to share, let us know by emailing thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk.